it's like a casino where the coin spins and then it says boom free apple stock and they, it's it's playing on psychology and just hitting those dopamine buttons. In fact, very powerful personalities who were behind the creation of how Silicon Valley makes people get hooked to social media, right? They themselves cannot resist touching their phones right now because of the monster that they have created. People are sell selling snake oil. If you go to a fortune teller, for example, the fortune teller is very skillful in covering his ass. Whichever way the market goes, the reality goes, they will, they will neither be right nor wrong. One of my friends went on to one of these wealth courses, right? He was also very impressed with the presentation. And that course cost 8,000 ringgit. Can you imagine? And I just said, no, don't do it. Today I have with me Julian Ng, who is ex-BFM presenter and the current chief financial guy at AkruNow, which is an online investment platform. He's going to try and dissuade me from becoming a full-time day trader, and he's talking a little bit about the courses that financial gurus are selling online. Welcome to the Euphoria Malaysia Kini podcast. More and more people are borrowing money in order to trade. They're t taking a thousand dollars or a thousand ringgit that they put into their brokerage account and then borrowing an equivalent sum of a hundred thousand ringgit using the initial one thousand ringgit as collateral. What do you see in your mind's eye at the moment? I think it's gambling. So uh, if people go into the stock market with that kind of mentality, I think it's okay. Uh, if you check out the profile of a professional gambler going up to Genting. Uh, this particular person would know his odds, you know, and he would not bet his house and his pants. I think, but the problem with uh, the the people who are speculating in the stock market today is that, um, especially the um, you know Robin Hood type driven uh, uh, situations that we have right now, where you can trade for free. And I understand that a lot of these new apps will also allow you to get with many times the margin of what you put in in the first place. Uh, and you can lose your entire, entire capital with that. But with this kind of activity, um, gambling, right? Uh, uh, and and it, it fulfills our dopamine-seeking sensation, you know? Uh, it, it's really all about that, right? Because it's all about FOMO, it's all about instant gratification. That is what people are doing today when, uh, when they go on an investment app and they play around with the money. My, my point is, and we can go back to other crashes in the stock market, uh, you, you got to tick your time frame, uh, you got to expand your time frame beyond the very short term, you know, in, in, into years, into decades, rather than into minutes, uh, which is what a lot of people are doing right now. Do you, do you feel like the stock market has kind of been perverted in a way that is weird? Because it is enticing to gamble because at the end of the day if you open a brokerage account it takes probably one day a few hours depending on your brokerage and it makes it so easy because now uh, there are complex issues like for example initial margin or maintenance margin those are very intricate things that require calculation and it's difficult to calculate on your own but a lot of these bro brokerages haven't they they've gamified it so when you log into a brokerage now they give you a free stock and from what I can see, I saw some animations where there's confetti popping. It comes down from the top of the screen. The coin spins and then it says, boom, free Apple stock. And they, it's, it's 
playing on psychology and just hitting those dopamine buttons. Before this, it was being used in social media and, you know, online games. And it's relatively fine. But when you mix finance and a person's long-term investments and, and savings into something like that, would you straight out come out and say that this is you know, immoral of uh, people who are financiers to be doing? I, I would, I would, you know, uh, that, that's the straight answer. That's the straight and short answer. In fact, uh, there have been a lot of uh, Silicon Valley, very uh, powerful uh, personalities who were behind the creation of email, you know, Gmail and uh, some, of, some of the social media. They have come out uh, to, to rail against how Silicon Valley makes people get hooked to um, social media, right? And, uh, and apps and emails and so on. And, and in fact, these guys were the creators of those very apps. Uh, and they are now coming up to say that they themselves cannot resist touching their phones right now because of the monster that they have created. Uh, I feel that there, that there should be some kind of responsibility, you know, as advisors, as, as financial managers. There is, there is some kind of responsibility to, to warn uh, your customers, your clients about the dangers of such things, uh, that, which is not unlike, for example, uh, a labeling on a cigarette box, right, with, with that decaying lung uh, if you smoke, if you smoke for 10, 20 years, that's what your lung looks like. I think we need a version of that in financial products. Uh, otherwise, people can get hooked, and it it can get very dangerous. But at the end of the day, the, these disclaimers are everywhere. And the second you before you even open a brokerage account, it says ninety seven percent of investors lose money in the stock market. Blah 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 blah. All these disclaimers that don't even put people off in the slightest. Right? Like it's it's it's. I don't know. At the end of the day, the cigarette box thing, I'm not even sure if it helped. It, it deters anybody from buying the cigarettes. It's just desensitized to the, all the warnings at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if the cigarettes are already legal and the label is there and you're a smoker, it, it wouldn't help, right? You, you would just continue smoking. If the product is there, uh, it's going to be very hard no matter what uh, warnings, warnings that you put there. So I, I think that there has to be some kind of uh, a fiduciary uh, that goes into uh, knowledge, you know, uh, that, that and, and if, if people lose their pants the first time, I, I think that's not a bad thing either because there are always lessons to be learned. I think there's a flip side to the argument as well because I heard this a little while back. I can't remember who said it, but you're saying that if you go in, you get burned, you learn a little bit and then you feel, uh, you, you feel like you need to learn more and then reinvest in the market. That, that might be the way some people go. But with the prominence of trading at this point in time, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to be completely alienated from the stock market from now on. If they crash and burn so hard, lose most of their savings for the rest of their life or maybe the next 20 years, they're going to be completely deterred from growing their wealth in equity or bond or capital or money markets actively at least, right? Isn't that a risk? Oh, for sure it's a risk. And I'm not sure if policy has to step in to actually prevent people from taking risk. Uh, I think policy ha has to step in to prevent people from uh, ignorance, uh, to pre prevent people from being duped. Policy has to come in to stop misinformation, but I I'm not sure if policy should come in uh, to stop people from taking uh, calculated risks, right? And the line is very thin. How, how do you decide on that, right? We, we've spoken a lot about the risk, right? But I want to speak a little bit about the, about the consequences. What can actually happen if you use highly de leveraged 
products in order to make your stock market bets. Things like buying or selling put options. Those are the things off the top of my head that would basically expose you to the most risk. Because for those who don't know, if you put a thousand ringgit bet or in an options trade, right, and you sold an option, your exposure to the amount of money that you can lose is essentially unlimited. If you short something and it goes from 15 to 400 in a single day and you bet a thousand dollars with a specific strike price your lose your losses could extend into the hundreds of thousands just on a one thousand dollar bet or one thousand ringgit bet you see the the idea of i think derivatives are very at a very very crude and basic level is actually an insurance policy right uh if, if you buy an insurance policy to protect yourself that's a derivative. And insurance products are beneficial products. You know, uh, it's very good products because people are pooling together to fund the uh, calamities of uh, the very few members in that pool, right? So that's a good product. I guess, as with all things, uh, there is a line to be drawn. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure about uh, some of these options and future contracts and contracts for deliveries that exist in the market. Uh, I, I think by and large, they are okay products to support liquidity, to support fair valuation in the market, uh, but they are not necessarily products for the mass market because the mass market just doesn't understand them. I myself don't understand them fully. And uh, if, you, if you put your savings onto that, there is a very high chance that you might lose your pants. You, know, you might lose everything. The way it works, these... I feel like these derivative products and these leverage products, margin products, these CDOs, these uh, like whatever, the credit default swaps, they all started with fine intentions. Like credit default swaps, for example, they were just putting loans into a consolidated financial product and selling it to people to offset some of the risk that a bank may be exposed to. That's fine. And then the same with these options contracts, right? These options contracts, they're used to hedge risk. For example, if I bought a stock at 50, it goes to 60, right? I think it can go higher, but I want to lock in my gains. I would buy a put, the option to sell at 60. If it drops below 60, I still retain my gains. <laughs> if it goes higher, I can hold on to the stock and choose not to exercise the put option. That is the most adorable application of the derivative. However, if you buy the derivative and you don't have a, like the, any conception of what a protective put or is or a, a covered call is, it becomes a, a way to which you can turn seven ringgit into seven hundred thousand ringgit. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm I'm no stranger to gambling. Like sometimes you know you just you just bored. You see something moving twenty percent in a single day. You just drop uh, maybe a hundred bucks on it and see where it goes. You know. Now, I want to take a minute here to explain why checking news sources are so important. And subscribing to Malaysia Kini helps you in that process because you cannot go a day now without receiving some form of fake news from either your family, your friends, WhatsApp groups, Facebook chats, Facebook feeds, Twitter feeds. And a lot of this is cannot be vetted. So Malaysia Kini vets that information for you and you should be subscribed to at least one credible news source. Thanks. I'll call you in here today because you used to be a BFM presenter. And the reason I got into finance and how I started learning about money in the first place was BFM. But today, it, this information is a lot more accessible and the capacity to provide information that is false has never been easier to produce. So I consume a lot of financial news. <laughs> 
And with that comes a lot of targeted ads trying to sell me courses on how to get rich quick, teaching me how to uh, day trade, you know, buy in 30 seconds, sell in 15 seconds, that kind you of can't, thing. You I can't. I want your opinion yeah. as somebody who's worked in this industry for so long. Just give me your general opinion on the entire industry. What's happening here? I, I think there is uh, something that is structurally very wrong uh, in the promotion and also the resulting desire for such courses, right? Uh, they, these get-rich courses that are sold, sold by financial guru. Uh, and, and that could be the, a reflection of uh, the economy going nowhere. And so people are looking for other things to do. It, it could be that. I find it hard to believe in technical analysis because I don't think that, uh, again, there, there is a statistical proof of it, right? Uh, maybe uh, it's one of those instances where it kind of works because everybody believes in it. It's kind of like a, you know, a property with very bad feng shui, right? It doesn't mean that the feng shui is not working. It's just that people are believing uh, what they're told about that feng shui, right? And therefore, if a house is not feng shui friendly, uh, you know, there'll be a group of people who would not buy into it. And even the people who don't believe in feng shui, they will think, hey, um, I won't want to invest in this property because uh, I, I can't sell it uh, to a full market of including those people who believe in feng shui, right? And, and therefore, I would avoid it. And I think that technical analysis is in that kind of situation. If enough people believe in it, uh, then uh, some people would use it. They, they, these guys are essentially, in a nutshell, saying that if you take my course, you'll make a lot of money and you can give up your day job, right? That That's the narrative that they're promoting. And, and I dare say that even the financial media, like responsible financial media, even they promote that kind of narrative because it is not rare for you to see on the front page of a financial newspaper, oh, the market is an at an all-time high, oh, uh, the glove companies, how how high can they go or how how much more will they crash, right? Uh, you, you will get rich from doing your job well, from having a successful career, from managing your ex expenses and not spending beyond your means, from investing properly, from, from savings, right? If you went into a full-time job uh, based on what the financial guru recommended, then I, I think... Um, You'll be in big trouble because the chances of success are very low. Do you know how uh, financial professionals make their money? The, the financial professionals make their money not primarily through trading financial assets. They make their money through actually doing their work, through doing analysis work, uh, getting bonuses for it uh, so that they can live in fancy houses and drive their flashy cars, right? These guys get rich that way. They, they got rich to their career and after that, uh, they, they invest their money, right? It's a, it's a two-stream income uh, accumulation. Yeah, because just anecdotally, I know a few people who just basically quit their day jobs and decided to become full-time day traders. And it's extremely difficult to tell them no because of the fact that the stock market has gone up so high. that So for me, I, I'm always afraid that I'm stupid and not seeing something, right? Like there's, there's always the possibility that I am bl completely blind to a very obvious issue and I am just overestimating my my own capacity. But I want to bring it back to the technical analysis and people who are selling courses online. Technical analysis is a completely completely legitimate area of finance that plenty of hedge fund managers and asset managers have built their careers around. That 
is mixed together with uh, kids selling courses online. I've seen somebody who is 18 years old selling a technical analysis course and selling and buying ads on Facebook and selling those courses for about 50 ringgit uh, every month or something like that. Like, just like, what do you think about that industry? How do you disseminate? How do you draw the distinction between somebody who's legit and isn't? Most of us haven't done the math of how much financial capital they have to post up in order to, let's say, pay them minimum wage or pay themselves uh, a lifestyle wage of, let's say, 3000 a month, how much capital would you have to post up, bearing in mind the statistical losses on, on that? If, if you take the example of a coin flip, for example, all right, 50% of the time it's heads and the other 50% is, is tail, if you think that you had the knowledge to change that 50-50 probability to 60-40 in your favor, for example. The stock market or any financial market is a place where there are very, very smart people and they're in the market full-time. Uh, they are paid for it by other people's money to analyze the market and to take positions in the market. So who are we uh, as small players to learn these things? I mean, I've been to Genting and I played Tai Sai, right? Long time ago, uh, big and small on, on the table. And you know what? It's very transparent. Genting will show you the history of the last 20, 30 draws, whether it's big or small. And, and you can analyze all that history if you, if you want to uh, and apply that double up strategy uh, up to a point because every table has, has a limit. And, and that's the analogy that you can apply to your margin accounts as well, uh, you can double up only up to your margin, right? Uh, and and you, you must make sure that you predict correctly. And that's a losing game, right? Uh, pe people have lost a lot of money on, on the gambling tables, which is why there is a saying that the house always wins, right? Uh, the other thing is that these people don't publish data, right? How do we know what they're saying is correct? Like if they, they can tell you, uh, just as a uh, Genting uh, cause giver can tell you that uh, you can make 2% a day from this kind of trading, where's the data? There's no stats, there's no data to prove that. Now, the, the fund management, the active fund management industry in Malaysia, on the other hand, is different. That data is being published, all right? Every day, every quarter, every year, and you can get data backed into 10 years, 20 years, into decades. And it shows that even with those professional managers, uh, they can't beat the market. They, they, they usually underperform the market, right? So how, how can this guy come along and, and say to you that uh, you can make 2% a month or 2% a day without the statistics to prove it? No, they're so convincing. I'm going to tell you right now. Like I said, I went through <laughs> some of these courses and they post bank statements, win-loss trades, and uh, account history of like closed that realized gains. And then they had the amount audited, the, the bank statement and the thing audited via company, right? And you, there's no saying if anybody is legit or not. But the fact of the matter is that it's not easy to win at the stock market. And anybody who tells you that they're making 2% in a single day can outperform the gods like Warren Buffett or like Charlie Munger or ben Benjamin Ackman like it, at any time of day if you told a hedge fund manager that you're making 2% a day and you've done it for 5 years straight you can go to Wall Street and be king every single one of these points are argued against if I said that exact line what they would say is that there is a cap to the amount of assets under management that you can execute this trade at so for example 
the maximum account size that you can have is 200,000 ringgit or something like that before you can actually you start moving the markets in your favor. And that's the justification behind it. You cannot use large amounts of money, which is why nobody in Wall Street will hire me, but then I'm still making 2% a day. Uh, th th these are just the comebacks that they have. And it sounds so legitimate to the person on, th in, on the street. You're an asset manager, right? And how do you draw the line between what is legitimate information and who is just pushing a course and may not have the financial background that they are advertising? I, I think this is not investment. You know, uh, people are sell selling snake oil and uh, there are a lot of people who... They, they are, they've already made up their minds, even before they look at anything. They, they have made up their minds and uh, they, they want to do, do those causes, right? If you go to a fortune teller, for example, I wouldn't put it past a believer in fortune telling before going to a fortune teller already believes what he wants to believe, right? And then the fortune teller is very skillful in covering his ass or her ass because they will, they will say things that are, you know, whatever, whichever way the market goes, the reality goes, they will, they will neither be right nor wrong. The fortune teller is very skillful in covering his ass. But this is where I think policy should step in to compel all these causes not to misrepresent the product. All right. This, this is not a sure thing. Uh, they should say that uh, right at the start. I don't think this kind of, you know, one of my friends went on to one of these wealth courses, right, in the name of uh, learning. And uh, he was also very impressed with the presentation. And that course cost 8,000 ringgit. Can you imagine? My friend paid 8,000 ringgit to take up this course. And I just said, no, don't do it. Like 8,000 ringgit, you, you can invest it and compound it and it will become something. Yeah. It, it just sounds so legitimate because it's not just the it's just it's not just the syllabus like i said some some of these statements are audited but the 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 fact of the matter is like if somebody sees audited statements they're going to think it's legitimate but you mentioned something there the the audit is not wrong though the audit is their bank account and and obviously if you if you sell 8000 ringgit a pop to 10 people you have 80000 in a in the bank account uh, that is not the audit of the trading account. For, for, for the audit of the trading account, you need something more robust, right? You need like everybody who has taken that course on average how much they have made for that account, right? That kind of statistics uh, would either be impossible to get or too costly to get. Uh, even the course giver themselves would not have the resources to monitor that kind of trading behavior. You, you said something there actually before this uh, policy Right. What do you think a government should be stepping in in order to regulate some of these uh, financial gurus? Because it's not just technical analysis that this is popping up in. It's going to be very difficult because some of these are e-commerce courses uh, or uh, digit dropshipping courses or digital marketing courses. And these are marketed essentially as get-rich-quick schemes. But at the end of the day, these are this isn't financial advice. This, this, the Securities Commission actually step in, and even if the Securities Commission steps in, they can probably regulate people who are, who are selling Forex trading, but they can't do anything about digital marketing because some of these courses are actually legit. Like some of the uh, content here at a very basic level is probably a one-on-one marketing course for anybody within a programmatic advertising agency, right? But then... It, it, these are courses that you can buy on Udemy for 50 ringgit where, where they're being sold for 3,000 ringgit or for somebody to give a speech for you on stage, like you said. What, where does the government's role play? 
Okay, I, I think that there is a difference between a, a financial product. A fin financial products are regulated. So if anything steps into that territory, uh, the, the government has to be very firm on it in, in saying that uh, you're, you're, you're either you're allowed to do that or you're not allowed to do this. And if it is an educational product, it must be stated as such. It, it cannot be misadvertised or misrepresented that this is a sure thing, right? Uh, that you have a system for a, for a black box. Uh, I, I think straight out, the government should ban such statements, right? There is no system for getting rich. The only system for getting rich is you, you work, you work for it, right? But that's the only system, right? Um, but on the other hand, if it's not a financial product and, and it, if it's a pure educational product, or even if it's uh, an educational product um, being mis missold or misrepresented as, as something that is a sure thing, uh, then it becomes slightly trickier, right? Uh, I, I, I think that is where you go into buyer's beware territory, uh, you know, be, because I, I think financial products are a lot more technical and a, a lot easier to trick people into believing that these are sure things. But educational products, you're on your own, you know, uh, you, you've got to decide for yourselves whether it's worth it to take up such courses like dropshipping and, and all those things that you've mentioned. Uh, it's, it's purely educational. They are definitely not sure things that there, there, there are no sure things in this world. Uh, and those are mantras to live by. Yeah, thanks again for coming uh, and speaking to me, Julian. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for making it to the very end, guys. We really appreciate it. And we would appreciate it even more if you gave us a follow on Spotify. Another thing that you should be doing is subscribing to us on our websites. Thanks. Thanks.